Great video, great video. Well, happy Valentine's City Hill and happy Valentine's Day to those who are joining us online. You've heard it said that love makes the world go around, right? It's a good little line, but I, I, I want to say today that I believe that love is the world's most powerful force. Love is the world's most powerful force. Not hate, not fear, but love is the most powerful force in this world. You know, people will travel the world to be with their beloved. People will kill to protect those that they love. And love is a great motivator. Love, I like this word, love pushes us, motivates us into action. You know, love can make us do crazy things, right? About being crazy in love. Love can make us do crazy things. You know, I remember the first time I met my wife, Janet. Uh, I was a single adults pastor in a church in California. We had about 400 people in our singles group, one of those big churches. And I was in charge of a retreat in San Diego. And so I was in charge of all the details. My mind was spinning, and I had a big box in my hand full of registration packets or something. And I walked by Janet and some other girl that was with her. They gave me their names, and I walked by. And you know how you get a name, and then you immediately forget it? So I walked in, put the box down, and I thought, gee, she's cute. What'd she say her name was? So I got my courage, went back over, said, hey, I'm sorry, what did you say your name was? This is our first greeting. And Janet turns to me and says, my name's Janet Barefoot. You ever heard of Alzheimer's disease? <laughs> Opening line. And then she turns and she's gone. And I'm like, seriously, that's the way it's going to be. But it caught my attention. Caught my attention. After the retreat, I called her up at home, asked her out for dinner. And this is kind of how I remember the conversation, how she responded. Um, Friday, 7 o'clock, uh, let me check my schedule. No, I'm not working that night. Um, that would work out fine. Okay, thank you. And I remember hanging up the phone thinking, it felt like making a dental appointment. <laughs> you know, yes, okay, we'll see you at 4.30, sir. You know, and I, I thought, well, at least she said yes, you know. So I think, well, pretty, and little do I know, story comes out later, I hang up the phone going, well, we'll see how this goes. She hangs up the phone, and she's jumping around on her bed, screaming and yelling, but I was clueless, and she was cool as a cucumber. I had no idea. And then after dating for a few months, I flew back from Oklahoma. I went to a graduation there, flew back on my birthday, and as I stepped off the gangway in Los Angeles, Janet was there dressed in, with a whole group of people dressed in crazy clothes, wearing furs and big hats, taking pictures, screaming like I was some movie star stepping off of the airplane. He's here! He's here! They're all screaming, and people are like, who is he? You know, it's Kent Norell. Don't you know him? They're, oh, yeah, I've heard of him, you know. It was LAX. This is when you could go to the gangway, and then she had a limousine that she'd rented that took me home to a big party at my house. Love makes you do crazy things. Crazy things. 
Two weeks ago, Pastor Gary Gilbertson spoke of being empowered by the Holy Spirit. We spoke of God, the Holy Spirit. Last week, Pastor Matt spoke of how we're called to be in relationship to the Father. And like Jesus, who did what he saw the Father doing, we to do as we see the Father doing. This morning, I want to talk about the Son, Jesus and his deep love for the world, and his deep love for you. You know, it's a love that is so profound, we so often do not understand the depth of love. We think of it as, I fell in love, I fell out of love, I lost the feeling. We see it so much in that emotional realm, but the love of God is so much better, so much deeper. The love that motivated Jesus to action. He didn't just love us and feel good about us, but he motivated him into action to give his life for you and me. It's also a love that as we experience it, we're called to then share that love. We're to be rivers of God's love. I, I remember a prophetic word right here on this platform. I believe Rich Gow was, had, had a prophetic word over me, and he said, when I think of you, Kent, when I'm praying for you, I see money, lots of money. And I'm going, oh, I like this, right? Put it like, yeah, go like goes, lots of money flowing through your hands, flowing out to others. I'm like, wait a minute. You know, I mean, I like that whole, you know, again, big house, big, you know, no, but it was God wants to flow resources. And the tree planted by the rivers of living water never goes hungry as we flow be it money, be it love, as we flow to the world, there's health and life to us. John, 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Let's say it together. God is love. I like take-homes to be really simple. I forget things I hear in sermons. Here's your take-home. God is love. Not God loves you, which he does, or not God has love, which he does, but God is love. It's the very DNA of God. God is love. It's core to his very being. You know, for far too long, we've imagined God as things like anger. The Bible doesn't say that. But we often think in the world, when they think of God, God's an angry God. Or God as controlling. Or the man in the sky that has that big club that's just looking for you to mess up, right? And when you mess up, bam, he's going to hit you over the head. That's not the God that we love and serve. When God describes himself, just think of God trying to choose words to describe himself to Moses. In Exodus 34, 6, the Lord passed before Moses, and this is what he proclaimed. So what words would God choose to describe his very nature? He says, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious. Slow to anger 
abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. This is our God. This is the God we serve. And I've heard it said that every problem goes back to a misunderstanding of the character of God. So I want to read this scripture through one more time. And as I read it, let the truth, whatever you believe differently would be wrong. Let the truth of who God is drop into your heart this morning. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful. You need the mercy of God? God is merciful. He's gracious. Receive the grace of the Lord over your situations today. He's slow to anger. He's not just waiting to pound you. He's waiting to hug you. He's got no social barriers. Slow to anger. Abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. This is who God is. Keeping steadfast love for thousands and forgiving iniquity and transgression. How many times have I heard people say, well, God can't forgive that. And I would say, guess what? Our God forgives iniquity and transgression and sin. His forgiveness is big enough. And that's the incredible God we serve. Just for clarification, is God just? Yes. Does God punish sin? Yes. But praise the Lord that Christ took that punishment upon himself at Calvary. But the overwhelming nature of God is kind and merciful and gracious and slow to anger. And the Bible wraps that up in God is love. That's who our God is. And when Jesus walked on this earth in close communion with his father, as Matt talked about last week, he says he only did what he saw the father doing. And in doing so, he revealed God's nature to the world. He revealed God's love. This is who God is. Watch my life and you can see the love of God. And as followers of Christ, raise your hand, followers of Christ. All right, as followers of Christ, we're called to carry on the work that Jesus did. It says in John 14, 12, Truly, truly, I say to you, the words of Christ, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. So if we're called to express the love of God, how do we do that? What's that look like? Well, let's look at the life of Christ, see ways that he expressed the love of God, and then carry on the work that he did. We're called to be his hands, his feet, his voice in this world. And may I say, we do this not out of moral obligation or duty. It's not a checklist. Okay, I guess I got to go love somebody today. Oh, I guess I have to because I guess that's what Christians do. That's not the attitude that God or Christ calls us to. We're motivated out of love because love is a powerful, motivating force, the most powerful force in the world. So let's look at Jesus' love for us. How are we to model that in the world? See, Jesus was with the Father at the very beginning. You recognize that, right? All things were made by him and through him. So at the creation, Christ was present in the creation. 
And Philippians 2 says that Jesus willingly left his throne in glory. So you have Jesus, through whom all things were created. He left that glory to come down and be with us. The level of humility is just hard for us to understand. What king would leave the glory to come down and be a man? Live among us. And not just live, and that would have been enough, but then to live and suffer and die for us. The humility of Christ is astounding. And he laid it down out of love for you and me. Listen to 1 Corinthians 13, thinking of Christ coming down. Love is patient and kind. It does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. Wow. Our world today is missing this mark. Does not insist on its own way. Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. I just see the humility of Christ in this definition of love. That instead of holding on to his own way, it was outward looking. And our love has to be outward looking. How do we love people? How do we serve people? I love what a friend of mine said recently. I said, what are you going to do in retirement? He says, I'm going to love well. I wasn't really ready for that answer. You know, people normally have jobs or investments or travel. He said, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to love well. I'm going to take that home. You know, what if that was just true of your life? Somebody mentioned you, they go, oh, you know, that person really loves well. They love people. They just, you get around them and they just love everybody who comes across their path. I think Christ would be honored if that were true of us. So Jesus' kind of love is humble and self-sacrificing. It looks outward. And then we see in Matthew 20, Jesus was encountered by two blind men. And he asked them, what do you want me to do for you? They said, Lord, let our eyes be opened. And the scripture says, moved with compassion. I love that. It wasn't just checked it off the list, saw what Jesus was doing, or what God was doing, and did his duty, but Jesus was moved with compassion. As I was just reading that, I thought of how many people in church are hurting, how many people here and online are, are carrying burdens and sicknesses and things that, that weights and pains they're carrying, and Jesus would say, Jesus moved with compassion. He feels compassion for our pain. Because Jesus moves with compassion, touched their eyes, and immediately they received their sight and followed him. Compassion is defined as deep love for others that leads to action. I like that. So it's not just, I felt so bad I cried all day. Okay, that's empathy. That's good. You're relating to other people. But this is a deep love that moved him into action. May that be true of us as we love people, as we hear about needs, that our compassion doesn't just overwhelm us, but it moves us into helping, into action. 
goes on in Mark 1. It tells about a man with leprosy who came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. And he knelt in front of Jesus. And the man said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus once again moved with compassion. He reached out and touched him. Now think about this for a minute. This man has leprosy. People kept a large social distance away from this man. You walk along saying, unclean, unclean, and everybody's supposed to run away from you. And Jesus walks up to this man that probably hadn't been touched by any human being in years. And Jesus walks up and touches him. I mean, I can just see the crowds going, no. But Jesus stepped out and touched the man and said, be healed. Instantly the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. The love of Christ compelled him to step out of his comfort zone and minister to someone in tremendous need. And I believe that love moves us to compassion and compels us into action to step out of our safety zone. Early this week, I imagine all of you heard about the horrific shooting at the Alina Clinic in Buffalo, Minnesota not too far from where the YWAM base is located. Five people were shot by an angry man. Uh, a medical assistant died in the shooting. It's a horrible, tragic situation. And I was listening to the report on the news, and the newscaster, with kindness, said, said, it's a horrible situation, and if you know anybody out there who's been affected, I know you can't go and hug them, but send a nice text. I read that, I heard that, and I thought, that makes perfect sense. And I don't like it at all. COVID has separated us. And... I just asked the question, what would Jesus do in that situation? And this is not a commentary on COVID. It's a commentary on the love of God. I believe if Jesus was at that clinic and saw the husband of the woman who had been shot to death, I don't think he'd send a text. I think he'd walk over there, wrap his arms around this man and hold him as he cried. I think he would step out of his own comfort zone at his own risk and show love. Jesus would love on people at his own risk. I think as we talk about reaching the nations for Christ, there's always risk. We sent I remember sending a woman off to join a team in North Africa in a, in a refugee camp, a Muslim refugee camp. Al-Qaeda was about 200 yards across from the area that we stayed. And this girl knew the risk, and we were sending her off, a Dominican young lady, master's degree, 
And the family was so happy, and they were hugging me and said, Pastor, thank you so much. This is so wonderful. And I'm thinking, they have no idea of the risk that this lady's stepping into. The lady knew. She'd been there before. And I was greeting the family, but I thought, your daughter is showing the love of Christ. And I don't know if she's going to come back alive. You never know. You don't, and I thought, I don't, what would the family look at me? How would they look differently at me if she was killed overseas? I don't know. I'm glad that never happened. But this woman said, there is a cause great enough so that people would know of Christ that I'm willing to step out of my family and my comfort zone to take the gospel, even at risk of my own life. It's worth that. And that's what the love of God does. It compels us out of our comfort zone to take action. Action for the hurting, for the poor, for the less fortunate. Then we look at Jesus and the disciples with his disciples in the upper room. Here's Jesus, their master, their teacher, the Messiah. They'd understood that he was who he claimed to be. And then he takes off his outer robe, puts a towel around him like a common servant, and begins to wash their feet. I don't think it was just because their feet needed washing. It probably was true after a long day's walk. But he was modeling something for them, for us, that a true leader, a true follower of Christ is going to be a servant. And no job is too low. If you ever get to a situation, you say, well, that job is beneath my dignity. There's a problem. There's a problem because Christ calls us to model after him to do whatever is called for us to do. We're called to humble ourselves and to serve people in our lives. And a true leader expresses his love and even his leadership by serving others. Because the reality is it's not about you, right? It's not about me. It's not about you. If, if the, the whole world, sorry guys, but the whole world does not revolve around you. Any amens to that? I don't know. <laughs> it's not all about you. It is about showing the love of God to the world. And I just think love looks for opportunities to serve. It doesn't have to be coerced. It doesn't have to be wrangled into, come on, come serve. But it has that openness, that desire to look for ways to serve people. It finds joy in bringing joy to others. Not just mass. I'd saying, God, how can you use me today? How can you use me to lift up somebody who's broken? How can you use me to help someone who is struggling, be it emotionally, financially? How do we build each other up? And is that your heart and your mindset today? Let the Lord work that in each and every one of us. I want to move to the fourth example. Jesus hanging on the cross. He was in incredible physical pain. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm a wimp when I'm in physical pain. Ask my wife. She said, yeah, I mean, when I'm hurting, the whole world stops, and it's all about me, 
and don't dare, you know, and I, I kind of get, the world gets small when I'm in pain. Jesus was in incredible physical pain. Then he was shamed. He was stripped of most of his clothes, hanging on a cross, hanging among criminals. And then the injustice of being crucified when you've done nothing wrong. You ever had that injustice rise up when you're being, someone's criticizing you or coming against you or cheating you, and it's not really isn't your fault this time, and that injustice screams? And then to add to that, the sins of the world were upon his shoulders. I would be so totally self-consumed in a moment like that. You might be too. And Jesus in that moment looks out. In the middle of his suffering, he looks down from the cross and saw Mary, his mother. Now the eldest son had a responsibility in the Jewish culture to provide for their mother, for their parents. And Luke 19 records this verse, Jesus saw his mother and the disciple who he loved standing nearby, which was John, he says to his mother, woman, behold your son. And then he says to his disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. I think, wow, even in his worst moment, the most incredibly hurtful and suffering moment, he's looking out to care for others. And I challenge those who are walking through deep waters, continue to give. Continue to love on others. Continue to look for ways that your life can be a blessing because in that, I believe, actually will be part of your healing. In that is part of the as life is flowing through you, I believe that God brings freedom. God brings healing. And Jesus' love was so great that even in his worst moment, he somehow was able to continue to care for others. And what I see in this is that love cares for family. Man, families are complicated, aren't they? I won't have you raise your hands. But families are tough. Families are complicated. You know, you didn't choose them. You got born into them. And there you are. And there's issues. And, but you can't get away from them. And sometimes you want to. And families are tough. But Jesus, you know, Jesus' brothers were not easy on him either. They thought he was out of his mind. He had family issues even in his own family. And yet Jesus continued to love his family. You know, love does care for family. There's different ways, and we could talk a lot about the details and the how to do that. But what I want to leave us with today is the words of Christ where he says, Greater love has no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. And Jesus not only laid down his life for his friends, but he laid down his life for his enemies. And if there's any way we're going to show the love of Christ, it's going to be, can we love those that we don't really like? <laughs> That's the hard part. It's easy for me to love Janet. She's lovable. But it's not so easy for me to love those who may be criticizing or may be coming against. Or you know, I, don't, I don't know if I even have any enemies in this world, but can I love those I don't even know that well? Can we love those who are difficult for us? 
Worship team, come on up. So here's my challenge. I don't know if it's okay to challenge on Valentine's Day, but I'm going to do it anyway, okay? Here's my challenge for us. That no matter whether you're in a romantic relationship or not, that no matter you're receiving the love that you need and deserve, that you would ask Jesus this morning to let his love flow through you. That you would not be a reservoir of love saying, I need more, I need more, but you'd say, Lord, how can your love flow through me today? And what I'm asking the Lord to do is that as we worship a bit, just for a moment or two, that God would put the name of someone in your life that you're to show love to without expecting anything in return. This isn't, I'm going to love somebody so that. This is just someone that God's saying, show some love to someone today. Someone that you need to text. Someone that you need to call. Maybe a family member. Somebody you need to forgive. I just heard of a situation this week where somebody had been, had loaned some money and carried that loan for a long time. And this week decided, you know, this has been a year of freedom and continues on. I'm just going to drop that. Love. Just set somebody free. The person wrote back and they got the text that their debt had been forgiven. They wrote back and said, now I'm crying big, ugly tears. I like that. Freedom. Set somebody free. Valentine's Day. What, what is God, who is God calling you to love today? Before the day is done, I just want the Lord to place that in our hearts. Let's just take a moment in prayer before the Lord. Father, we want to move beyond concept, beyond ideas, and have love that moves into action. God, your love powerful motivator. And I pray today, Lord, first of all, that you would fill us with your love because our love lacks. But your love is powerful and sufficient. So, Father, pour your love out. May we open our hearts to receive that overpowerful, that powerful love of God for our hearts. And then, Lord, may it flow. May we let it flow. And God, I pray that right now you put on each person's heart a name, an identity of someone there to encourage, build up, strengthen, give to, express their love for today, Lord God. They'd make that phone call. They'd send that message. But Father, we, when you look down, you'd say, these are people who I can flow my love to and through. Let's take a moment. Let the Lord speak a name to our hearts this morning.
May the earth-shaking, world-changing, action-taking, life-giving love of Christ flow through you today. In Jesus' name, happy Valentine's Day, church. Have a great day. If you're here and you need some prayer, some seek the Lord with you. Steve's over there. The prayer room's over there. Please join in. We have some people who can walk with you. And if you're new to us today, I'll be out at the Welcome Center just to the left on the way out the door. Have a great day, folks. Happy Valentine's Day.